0: From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM.
1: Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and my guest today is Michael Majera. Michael was here uh, in October, and we had very good feedback, and today he's back again. Michael is a life coach and a mindfulness uh, practitioner. He does career coaching and executive coaching and school coaching, and today we're actually going to be talking about today's youth. I would like to just say to you, if I sound a bit nasal, I'm sorry. I got back from Israel with a cold, and I am a bit nasal. If I cough you, I'll quickly try and turn it <coughs> off. But... um Next Tuesday, I just wanted to tell you that my guest will be um, Philip Veirs, General Smuts's great grandson, who was in Israel now for the Balfour Declaration, and which I was also there on on the Teul and what have you to Smuts's uh, kibbutz, which was ter- unbelievably fascinating. And Philip will be here to share some very interesting, exciting, and um, interesting observations about Israel. Right. Michael, <laughs> welcome. It's so good to Thank have you, you back. Thank you for having me, Sue and today you found it very easily and you were absolutely on time. Yes,
2: you know, I just memorized the road last time I was here because uh, I was late last time. Yeah, Yeah.
1: (laughs) And there was nobody to fill in for you today if you weren't going to be here because the little boy, Vadia, who was here last time, remember?
2: Oh yeah, school is at school now. Yes, he he is at
1: school now. Right, tell me why, just give us a bit of background about yourself please, for the people who didn't not hear your last show oh,
2: okay uh, my name is michael mjera and uh i'm a life coach and mindfulness practitioner uh particularly i have a passion for youth and uh, teaching youth how to be more self-aware and more emotionally intelligent
1: well why do you choose youth in particular
2: uh you know uh growing up i didn't have anyone who taught me how um, how to be self-aware, how to grow into my authentic self. So I thought that, you know, it's something that I could also as an individual help people with, you know, help uh, younger people, the younger generation coming up.
1: So just tell us a bit about your your experiences growing up.
2: Uh, okay. Um, in particular, I, I grew up in my family of origin. Um, it was a very um, abusive home. Um and uh, during that time, um, I didn't know how to probably express myself, you know, in in a very um uh, productive manner. So I used I, I used to harbor up negative emotions, you know, and they slowly they began to detract me and and uh, begin to cause problems in my social life as well as personal. So um, I realized, you know, uh, it's something that. Is not unique to me A lot of people are going through that And uh, they need to be able to to, They need to be taught On how to manage those negative emotions And how to uh, be able to Go beyond You know um, Their
1: circumstances And that takes courage So how did you manage to go beyond Those circumstances? True true. Uh, It does take a lot of courage I I, I think
2: uh, I'm still on my way because uh, you can't fully say uh, you've healed completely uh, But I, I, I'm, I'm on the journey and I'm in the process of actually doing it And I think it takes a lot of discipline uh, to develop as an individual And um, a lot of consistency as well
1: And a lot of pain often, doesn't it? You know, to go True. back into your life, True. True. see True. what hurt you and True. then work through it
2: True um, You know, I was actually thinking about it the other day um, uh, I remember when my, um, my uh, mother passed away And uh, it was very difficult to deal with the grief And she passed away at a rather, I could say, unfortunate time uh, Because it was during my uh, high school examinations uh, My equivalent of metric examinations, I think they call them here And she passed away during my exams and I just had one day to go and bury my mother and come back the next day and sit for my exam. So
1: there was no time to mourn. There was
2: no time to mourn, no grief, you know, and slowly, you know, as long as I had something to distract me. You know, that grief wasn't dealt with. And I, I, I realized, you know, as I grew up that I actually hadn't healed those wounds. I hadn't actually grieved for my mother. I actually hadn't mourned her loss. And it's something that I, I began to slowly try and do over the years.
1: And, you know, there's a there's a strange thing about grief that it's never really... Closed, you know, they say true. closure, yeah. but I actually believe that we often, th- something opens it again, and the wounds come back, yeah. and, and once again, you've got to look at it, and and work again, and work on, again on a different on emotion. Yes,
2: yes, true.
1: Have you found that?
2: Yeah, I, I have found that a lot, it's, it's a continuous process. It is you know, a continuous. It is a continuous process, and, but... The, the, the fortunate part is, you know, if you're aware of it and you do it intentionally, it becomes not much of a burden, but it, it, it gets, can I say, easier? Mm. To deal with, Mm. yeah, and and it's easier to confront certain things from your past as you do it progressively,
1: and perhaps as you become wiser and more aware of those feelings. True, you were from Zimbabwe initially, so I mean, you went straight back and wrote exams. Uh, Did you manage to concentrate? Uh,
2: Yeah, um, uh, you know, I I realized as long as I had something to distract me from from the grief, I I could manage and operate. but i i couldn't i felt like um if i had tried to deal with it then i was going to break down
1: so you almost compartmentalized it yes. didn't you yeah and you know, I'm looking at this book that you gave me, which we mentioned last time, which I'm really looking forward to reading. The full book, dealing with bullying in marriage. Yes. So you know, you you're actually very versatile because charity is dealing in relationship, um, ma- in marriage and relationships, yes. and in youth. So both those areas are actually areas of interest to you.
2: Yeah, they are. Um, I, I I had this saying that says, um, it's where you're most broken, whether you have the most to give. So I, I think the areas I struggled most with uh, growing up were um, how to deal with negative emotions and in relationships. And those areas I I. I I managed to to develop myself in those areas and be more aware of the different things that we do as individuals. And as I became more aware of certain things, I thought maybe it's good that I share them with other people as well. So hence I wrote the book and I also try and teach youth how to manage their emotions in schools.
1: I actually love that saying. Just say it again, the broken.
2: It's where you're most broken, where you have the most to give.
1: So true. And, you know, there's another uh, saying, and as I'm looking at you, I'm thinking of this is exactly what you've done. You have turned your wounds into wisdom. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that is, is is one way of not actually being stuck totally in the past, isn't yeah. it?
2: Yeah, it is. It is. It actually helps you move beyond it. Mm-hmm. And as you find healing for yourself. You also find healing for others, you know, others who are not able to get the same resources as you do or who don't have share the same level of awareness that you do. But as you heal, you also help them heal also.
1: And, you know, there is that saying healer, heal yourself. Yeah. And you are in in that work and and so am I. of of actually trying to help other people and in so doing we have to know who we are and actually heal ourselves don't we yeah and it is an ongoing thing it is
0: from talk to music from johannesburg to israel from sport to business this is 101.9 high fm
1: Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guest today is Michael Majera, and we are talking about relationships and also uh, dealing with the youth of today. If you would like to SMS us, please do so on 34519 or WhatsApp us on zero six two one four eight two three seven four we would really like to hear from you. The feedback last time with Micah was fantastic, but a lot of the messages started coming in afterwards. So please remember SMS three four five one nine or WhatsApp zero six two one four eight two three seven four. Now, Pick and Pay Harper Norwood has the following specials valid until the 19th of November. Hewlett's, 2.5 kilogram white sugar, 30 30 rand 90 each, you can save 9 rand. Speco, long grain parboiled rice, 19 rand each, save 7 rand. Pick and Pay 2 litre fresh milk, uh, 21.99 each. Or, uh, aerial auto washing powder, assorted two kilogram liquid detergent one comma five liters or capsules fifteen fifteen uh forty five Rand each, you save nineteen Rand. Uh, Buy five all gold 700 millimetre tomato sauce for only 100 rand. Visit our store for more 100 rand deals. You can buy all three for 65 rand and save 10 rand. Pick and pay two kilograms onions, two kilograms washed potatoes and one kilogram English tomatoes. So all of those for 65 rand. Visit pick and pay Harper Norwood for more in-house specials. Right, back to you, Michael. Just you know I was looking through your um your your synapsis that yeah. you sent, and you talk about emotional intelligence, just explain to us a bit about emotional intelligence
2: oh okay, um I think emotional intelligence is just basically uh learning how to identify and understand uh, one's emotions and to be able to respond and not react to different influences.
1: Absolutely. Now, that doesn't come easily, does it? It doesn't. It doesn't. And how would you go about teaching someone how to actually become more aware? Uh,
2: Well, you know... um, Awareness has different facets to it. Um, uh, Most of the time, we struggle with balancing the different roles that we have in our life because a lot of us have roles to play. We are brothers. Uh, sons, fathers, husbands, uh, employees, employers, friends, you know. So all those roles, uh, we adopt like, um, what can I say? A persona for each and each and every individual role that we have.
1: We almost have to be like a chameleon. Yeah. A
2: chameleon. and, And you change, you know. And I realized that with myself, you know, I was a different person at home. I was a different person with my friends. I was a different person and, and just in social, different social environments and depending on what was required of me you know i just managed to adapt but as i did that slowly i lost what i what i call your authentic core you know because you're everyone for you're something for everyone but you're never something for yourself you know and that authentic core is it denigrates it denigrates as you Change from role to role to role to role, such that you identify more with your roles and not with your authentic core.
1: So, so you're beginning to lose parts of yourself yes. along the way. Yeah,
2: you begin to lose yourself along the way. And now it's, it's very difficult now to be self-aware if you're only aware of the role, because the role is like the persona, the facade that you have. And when you're by yourself now and take time to be alone, that's when you actually discover that all those roles are eating into your energy and, and, and you just feel low at the end of the day and you wonder why.
1: So how do you feel that you can actually look at all those roles, see what works for you, yeah. and actually bring them together as a
0: whole?
2: You know, I, I think uh, the most important question is I, as I develop. Uh, this emotional self-awareness I asked myself was, who, who am I? You know, who am I as an individual? Not to be defined by roles, not to be defined by what I do, not to be defined by everything society projects onto me, but to identify myself. Mm-hmm. Who am I? Who, who can I say I am down deep to my core? And I'm still trying to answer that question, I might say, but what I realized was, you know i i i began to like subtract everything else that wasn't part of my authenticity my authentic core and as i Started to do that slowly, slowly. I began to realize and, 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 you know, it's like, um, when you're carving something out, you know, when maybe a sculptor is carving something out of a piece of wood, you know, slowly, you can't see the final image, but slowly as he begins to chip away all those unnecessary bits and pieces that are covering the sculpture, you begin to see an outline of what he's trying to create. And, That's the same process that we need to go through. We need to start shelling all those things that are not part of our authentic core so that we can finally see ourselves for who we are.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, that is so true. And Oscar Wilde actually had this saying, uh, the soul is born old but grows young. That is the comedy of life and the body is born young and grows old that is life's tragedy mm. so we are born with wisdom we we are and somewhere along the line we a lot of it gets knocked out of us True. our the our beliefs change according to you know how we're brought up or the True. culture we brought up in um Our belief systems begin to fill in with other people's belief systems, and eventually we don't know who we are. True. So when you go and work with a youth, do you get them to look at what works for them and then what doesn't, or how do you go about it? Yeah,
2: definitely. It's an individual process. I I wouldn't want to just uh throw things onto onto them and you know and say digest digest no it's an individual process because you have to do the internal work yourself so you have to look within your own self what is authentic to me is it this is it that In, and you, you begin to try out things what mm-hmm. feels better for you inside you know uh, b- because intuitively we know we know what we want uh, but somehow along the way, trying to meet those roles and trying to fit in and be accepted, especially for youth, it's big to be accepted. You don't want to stand out, you know. Uh, so when you're trying to fit in, you, you turn to lose some of yourself, you know, and, and so it's a very individual process, I would say. You know, each and every individual has a way of going about it. I just give them what I call tools to try and use as they go through the process.
1: Yeah. Now, Viktor Frankl, um, the Holocaust survivor and the, the, who wrote Man's Search for, for Meaning, we will be listening to one of his YouTubes shortly. He actually says that to find ourselves is one of the most difficult things. It and is. often it's in reaching out to others that we actually reach in towards ourselves, ourselves. and yeah. begin to know ourselves sure. better. Sure. Have you found this in your own life?
2: Yeah, I have. I have Um, because you as you integrate with different people um, you get to resonate with some stories you know everyone has a story to tell I always say and as you share your story through just to speak to someone in general they're telling their story or the way they're dressed it's part of their story and as you interact with all these different stories you know you you tend to resonate with different parts of their story but that is just a reflection of your own personal story and your own personal journey that you're going through.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so true. Now, tell me about the work you do because you mentioned that you, you do it privately. Yeah. And if people want to get hold of you, we'll give your number out shortly um, and they can make a private uh, appointment with you. Yeah. But you also work with schools.
2: Yes, recently I just started working with schools, and um, I've I have a couple of invites uh, before the end of the year, and um, I just go to schools and teach them basically how to be more emotionally
3: aware.
1: We're going to be listening shortly to Viktor Frankl. We're just going to be breaking for that.
3: The lesson one could learn in Auschwitz and in other concentration camps in the final analysis was those who were oriented toward a meaning, toward a meaning to be fulfilled by them in the future, were most likely to survive. And this has been confirmed afterwards by American Navy and Army psychiatrists in Japanese prison of War Camps, in uh, North Korean Prisoner of War Camps, recently in uh, 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 North Vietnamese Prisoner of War Camps. The orientation toward a future, toward a task, a personal task, waiting for them to be fulfilled in their future, or another person whom they were loving to be met again, to be reunited with them again in the future, this was what was decisively upheld these people. So this, the orientation beyond oneself, the, you see, the question was not just survival, but there had to be a why of survival. The question was survival for what? Unless there was something or someone a personal recourse to for whose sake to survive, there was survival scarcely possible. Most of us have never been in the concentration camp experience, we've never had to go through that horror and tragedy. And so, one would think that today it would be easier to find meaning in life. And yet, I sense that it's more difficult in a sense today than it was in years past. Do you, do you think that you are absolutely right? Well, why is because that? Because we are living in a society either in terms of an affluent society or in terms of a welfare state. These types of societies virtually, or at least they are out virtually to satisfy and gratify each and every human need. Consumer societies even creating needs, but the need for meaning, or as I'm used to referring to it, the will to meaning remains unfulfilled. It's what I'm used to uh, uh, calling uh, recently the unheard cry for meaning. You scarcely will find any reference to what is the most fundamental and basic concern of man, neither pleasure nor happiness, nor power or prestige, but originally and basically, his wish, his desire, to find and fulfill a meaning in his life or for that matter in each single life situation confronting him and if there is a meaning to fulfill if he's aware if if he becomes cognizant of such a meaning then he's ready to suffer he's ready to offer sacrifices he's ready to undergo tension stress and so forth without any harm being done to his to his uh, health but if there is no meaning available no meaning in uh, in uh, in his visual field then he takes his life and the meaning can be found everywhere in the smallest hut On the other hand, you find people who are millionaires and milliardaires and and, uh, billionaires and they have no meaning. They kill themselves. The
1: best part of your day.
3: At the heart of your community. All
1: the talk. All the music. All the news. (laughs) hi FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guest today is Michael Majera and we are talking about finding meaning in life. We're talking about today's youth and I see we've got a, an SMS on, on grief as well. So we're actually covering quite a few subjects. You can SMS us on 34519 or you can WhatsApp us on zero six two one four eight. Two, three, seven, four. Now that was um, uh, Victor Frankl talking about the finding meaning, yeah. um, and as he says, it's the unheard cry for meaning. It's it's what he calls today's neurosis. Actually, that yeah. we're we're all searching for a meaning. And would you would you agree with this?
2: Yes, um, I think. Um A lot of people are looking for meaning in the world today, especially in this particular generation. It's something that's become more and more important, you know, uh, as uh, different from generations before, you know, where you just go through life, just go through the different phases onto the next one, onto the next one. But now a lot of people are trying to find their meaning, their purpose, you know.
1: Are you talking about the millennial generation? Yeah, the millennials, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The mm-hmm.
2: millennials. Um, I, I find it a lot of them are trying to find meaning and purpose. And a lot of them are going through different channels of trying to find the same thing, you know. And and it and for many it's still quite something that's very elusive. You know, you just can't it's not like a goal to be attained. Mm, it's something, it's a process more like, with that you need to go through each and every day. You know?
1: And it's something that Viktor Frankl actually calls the demand quality of life. Yes. That every moment of life, it's demanding something of us. Yeah. And whether we actually step into the meaning or go around it, yeah. it's going to be there anyway.
2: Anyway, it's going to be there. Yeah.
1: I want to just read this SMS that has come through. Grief is a slow unwinding of pain created by a belief that someone else can complete us and fulfill our sen- sense of self-love. Mm. As consciousness, we are always connected to spirits and those past. I do a 15-minute bereavement process that totally shifts a person. This is from Michael Lubowitz, who is a journey therapist. Mm. What do you think about that, about um, actually... Uh, Being able to go into connecting to our past and our pain and our loss
2: Yeah, it's it's definitely important, you know Because there's always a part of us in our past And if if we can't find acceptance, if we can't find healing in that past Which means we've closed up a part of ourselves there But if we can manage to go back and slowly heal and slowly retrieve that part of ourselves. We can then become whole and essentially go through the process of finding our meaning more effectively.
1: I have to agree with you. And yeah. I see he says here that we, we sometimes believe that someone else will heal us. True. Um, and that is not true. Is it's it?
2: not. It's not. And, and that's, that's a problem with a lot of, um, relationships now. You know, people are trying to, uh, Find healing from their past Through someone else externally Mm -hmm. And The danger with that is we create Needless suffering, you know, because Now we create An attachment that is unhealthy to that Other individual, because we Think they're the key to Healing our past You know, and and we actually start to Create more and more um, Negative emotions Through that than we're actually healing
1: I agree with you, and then often what you do see happening is that you break off that relationship because it's not working for you, yeah. and you're not healing, yeah. and it's 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 feeling a bit destructive. And yet you go into the next relationship the next one, yes. with, the problems. with the same problem,
2: with the same problem. Yeah, and and you know, I was actually uh, during my work with uh, the book "Dealing and Bullying in Marriage," I was looking at divorce statistics. You know, first time divorce is around forty five percent, and uh, the second marriage divorces are up to around 65%.
1: Is that so? Yeah. Good heavens. Yeah. So it is because we're not looking at our own role. We're not looking at our what own we role. We need to change. Mm-hmm. Now I see you also say one of the uh, one of the things you do with youth is selfies. Yeah. What is that? I love you know,
2: that. Uh, I call them selfies. It's a colourful way of um, just engaging youth. Um, selfies are more of uh, different parts of self awareness. Yeah. Uh, so it ranges from. Uh, your self-image um your self-image basically is who you see yourself as you know or who people see you as so it it comes in three different levels uh firstly it's who you see yourself as secondly it's who others think you are and lastly it's who you think others think you are so a lot of people base their self-image on that you know either you're trying to project what you think is ideal for a particular environment or you're trying to project your authenticity your core and very few people are able to do that because we're in the age of trying to fit in you know everyone is trying to fit in you don't want to stand out and be your own person Um and lastly is who who you think you project who you think other people will accept mm-hmm. you know and and uh that's uh basically the long and short of self image and then there's self esteem self- esteem is bas- ba- basically on um on our self love um, you know on our self image you know who if you see yourself as someone who is acceptable and if you see yourself as someone who is competent if you see as someone who's able who's, uh, who's Able to do something or, or competently, you have a level of self-confidence and self-esteem that is higher than the person who thinks they can't. So it all—it's it, all about whether you have a positive or negative self-image. And uh, lastly, is about self-love. You know, self-love. Just,
1: just hang on one moment. Yeah. Going back to self-image, do you think it—it it always remains the same? Because. There's sometimes in your life when you feel vulnerable and your self-image lowers then and you're not sure and you you kind of do almost rely on other people on what they think of you. you Think of you, yeah. And and you're not really being authentic to yourself. So you don't always have this positive self-image. It's something that also daily you
2: often have to work with. You work with every day, every single day. Mm -hmm. You know, and... and, um, But... As long as you're aware of it, you know, and, and and when you step out of your core and you're able to call yourself and say, Oh no, this is not me.
1: This doesn't feel right. Yeah,
2: it just doesn't feel right. You're, you're still in the safe zone because a lot of people now are unaware. They're unaware that they're unaware. They don't know that they don't know. So and that's the danger of of continuously, you know, before we're talking about roles. You know, sometimes we get so obsessed and and absorbed with our roles that we can't identify as our authentic self. Mm -hmm. So that self image of our role is the one that persona is the one that we project often to other people.
1: That is so true And, you know, I do think that this happens from a very, very young age That our self-image either takes a knock And you can see it in in children as young as five, you know You can see it in their confidence or their lack of confidence Either coming from the home or from the school system or Friends, you know, wherever, whatever system there that might be putting them down.
2: Yeah, you know, the, the tragedy is um, when you're growing up, you know, from the age of one to seven, you depend on your parents for your self-image. So, how your parents see themselves, you actually translate it to yourself as well. You know, if your parents have a particular type of image in in their within their community or society, you also, as a child, adapt that image. And, um, you know, I was actually looking at my own family um, when I was growing up. You know, my, my mother uh, was sort of uh, the well of one in her family. Uh, so a lot of people used to come for assistance. You know, they needed a particular help or something. And that image of her kind of like also I adapted it when I was younger. You so know?
1: you felt responsible for yeah. others' needs.
2: Yeah, so I would see myself, you know, at school, I'll be the one, you know, people come to and they want help in a particular area or with this or that. That was the image I, I had when I was younger. And, you know, a lot of kids do this. We adopt the image of our parents. Mm-hmm. And also we depend on our parents' esteem also. So if both the image and esteem work and are adopted by our children as well.
1: It's so true. Now, in your own home, you mentioned last time, if you don't mind me mentioning it again, that you did come from an abusive background. Your father in particular was abusive. Um, What did you learn from that? Um, You know,
2: I learned a lot of things. Um, But uh, as you know, the those lessons now, I I, I discover they they change Um, in different seasons, I'd feel differently about it, but uh, you know now, as I'm older, I think it's a part of my story It shaped who I am as an individual but I can either look at it adversely or I can look at it as, as something that I was actually fortunate to, enough to go through. So now I can be a source of healing, and and and, and um, uh, I can actually help others who are going through the same process. Because you understand, it. because it. I understand it.
1: Did you ever allow yourself to cry uh, as a young child for the pain that you felt?
2: Um. I, yeah. But uh, you, you know, I, I like I said before. You know, it was difficult to know. Nu- To be able alone as a child to, to learn how to manage those difficult emotions like sadness, like grief, you know, they're just difficult to manage, you know, when you're growing up and you're still quite very young. You're in need of someone with enough guidance to be able to teach you how to, to deal with those negative emotions. Because what we eventually do, you know, when you are younger is we suppress or repress Mm -hmm. and that's not dealing with them. They're still there They still exist But now we've just managed To build a damn wall To hold them back For a little mm-hmm. longer You know, what happens now Is the water begins to rise Behind that dam wall It's going Eventually It's going to flood And that's what happens With a lot of people You know, people commit suicide Because of emotions From their past That they haven't been able To deal with Or even don't know exist You know, they exist In the subconscious And that's something That, we, that happens
1: every day and you know what you say there's such truth to it, and thank you so much for for your truth in this um, you know, I think that's why we are dealing so much in this country also with with unbelievable violence and aggression. yeah, I think a lot of it stems from feelings that have never been expressed yeah. from abuse. Yeah. um that has gone through and eventually the dam has burst yeah and we're seeing it more and more especially among our youth are not we
2: yeah yeah and, and 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 you know emotions like anger are very uh, difficult to deal with you know and and what we eventually end up doing is we project them we project them and we can't take ownership of that anger we're feeling and say you know this is i'm upset you upset me. That's what we say, you know, most of mm, the time. Mm. But we don't just acknowledge that, you know, I am upset. You know, it's my upset. It's my anger. And I'm, I'm hurting. the one. Yeah. And I'm mm. hurting. I'm mm. the one who's feeling this. And to, to sit with those emotions becomes very, very difficult. So we try and, uh, release doing, doing, by doing a lot of different things, you know, and, and I think pain has a lot to do with, um, uh, uh, with addiction. You know, a lot of people in this country in particular are, are, are trying to deal with pain and and they get absorbed with different addictions, you know, like um, alcoholism, uh, drug abuse. All those things are, are things people tra- do uh, because they're trying to deal with mm-hmm. pain.
1: To, to try and escape the pain. Yeah. And you almost have to be given permission to feel that pain, don't true, you? True, true. And it's, that hurt. Yeah. And I think it makes you feel very vulnerable when you have admitted it and that you are in a place of pain and you're holding this deep well of pain inside you. It does leave you very vulnerable unless someone can help you to deal with
2: it. It does. That's why you need you know, someone who who actually has uh, some knowledge as to how you can go through the process or someone who has been through the process, you know, was, was also on their own personal journey of healing.
1: And when you go into the schools, because I I think a lot of our our youth um, are resistant or perhaps don't even know about therapy yeah, or are resistant to it because they have been taught to uh, suppress emotions and get on with life. You know, life is hard. That's it. It's it's your deal. Just get on with it.
2: Yeah. You know, where I come from, therapy is considered one of those luxuries. something Mm -hmm. you do with uh, extra money uh, that you don't know what to deal with. Because because people are stuck with everyday bills and they're stuck going from one day to the next, one paycheck to the next. You know, you can't spare enough and say, oh, this is for therapy. You know, it's something that you do after you've done everything else where Mm -hmm. I come from. So it's considered very much a luxury. Mm -hmm. So uh, people uh, are just go to the bar and drink themselves to uh, near death uh, or <laughs> yeah or maybe you know just take it out on drugs or things like that but at the essence of everything you know they're just trying to deal with those difficult emotions that they haven't been able to express
1: it's it's true and and you know unfortunately also you have the opposite where um people perhaps with too much a uh, rush to the uh, psychiatrist, psychologist at the slightest thing. Yeah, yeah. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. And my guest today is Michael Majera. And the time is going very quickly, Michael. Uh, you can SMS us on 34519 or WhatsApp us on 062 Two, three, seven, four. A bit later, you're going to be hearing a very beautiful YouTube by Maya Angelou. Now, Maya Angelou and Victor Frank were both people who came through abuse and found meaning and purpose in their lives. Um, we were just talking now, um, Michael, about how people also rush off to... To go and sort out true. their problems very and, quickly yeah, when they're not, they don't they hand it over almost. Uh,
2: that's another type of addiction. You know, when you you're just trying to look for a savior outside of yourself, someone who can help you go through it, and you're not taking enough responsibility yourself to work through the things that you need to work through to actually get past it. And you know, I think some um, uh, some therapists actually allow it because as long as I'm getting paid by the hour. I don't really care, you know, as long as I can, you know, I, I actually uh, read some research that says, you know, some of the therapists, some, by the way, yeah, uh, it's not everyone actually do this thing where they just make their, pat- their patients, um, they're like enablers. You know, mm-hmm. and and they continually make their their patients feel like they're unable to cope with things without them, and they're like uh, drug dealers in a way. That's you know.
1: so true, yeah. unfortunately. So, yeah, to keep
2: to keep you coming back for more, mm-hmm. and and as long as you don't take responsibility for yourself, and, and, and as long as you don't assert yourself and say, you know what, I am seeking intentional growth in this particular area that I am struggling with,
1: you will never move forward. It's so true. And, you know, I think also as therapists, we also have to be very aware of of actually not being enablers yeah. and and showing um, our clients that we do believe in them true. and that they're not going to need us for, yeah. you know, for forever. They, you know, they're there to... We're there to help them yeah. work through something yeah. and then they grow. move on. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, you know, my son-in-law actually sent me a, a YouTube today on the family chat, which was very good. And he said, I better mention him. So thank you, Paul Koffler. <laughs> and it was by John um, Wickland. It was, he's a business professor at Syracuse and uh, he t- talks about his diagnosis of ADHD. And how you know he was really a dropout at school, and yet he went on to become an unbelievably successful man. Yeah, and because it was not suppressed, you know, the creativity that was part of 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 him was not suppressed. Yeah, and you know, it's it's thinking out of the box. True. Now, funny enough, I've just returned from Israel. And someone was telling me that the reason why there are so many startups in uh, new startup companies in Israel is because of the, the training that the youngsters have in the in Israel Defense Force, where they are taught to take responsibility for others, yeah. to work as a team, yeah. to think out of the box. Yeah. And I think that is something that we can all learn, that we're not just in this world as individuals. We are actually here to share a better world as well. Yeah,
2: we are. You know, I I always say to myself, you know, uh, it's difficult to find meaning outside of service. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever you're going to do, you're going to serve someone, somewhere, somehow. Uh, and, And essentially service is why we're here, to help each other, go through the motions, live in a better world, all those things. That's what we're here to
1: do. That's beautiful, and it's what Viktor Frankl calls self-transcendence, moving out of our own sphere, seeing beyond ourselves, and seeing how we can heal the world, and by so doing, heal ourselves too. He also spoke about a lot about anxiety of this this uh, era. He calls it the disease of our times, a collective neurosis, mm. um, and it sort of shows itself as a planless day to day. There was, you know, of living. There's just no plan of your day, or of being a fatalist, of saying the world's coming to an end anyway. It's it's useless, and uh, you know, why should we bother? Yeah. So we won't take responsibility yes. for that. And, uh, and also uh, the collective thinking that we're prepared to, f- to take on other people's thoughts, whether it's fanaticism or whatever it is. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I, I think it all comes down to, you know, not wanting to take responsibility. You know, that's why you, you, you start to just indulge in different, uh, in, 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 in different, um, what can I say? Different persuasions, different, um, uh, like you, you called it fanaticism. Yeah. A lot of people are fanatics and they're fans of different things. And, and, um, I wouldn't want to mention, um, But the only example I'm I'm thinking of, you know, is off the top of my head is, you know, now we have a lot of different motivational speakers that are out there. You know, a lot of people just enjoy the pumped up feeling they have, you Mm -hmm. know, after just going for a motivational talk or what, what. But at the end of the day, it comes back to you taking responsibility for your life. You need to do the things that you need to do and go through the process. There's no way. Uh, around that, you know, there's no way. You can listen to podcasts all day uh, from motivational speakers, but they will not be able to do the work for you. Never. It's never going to happen. You need to get up, do whatever you need to do, you know, and, and you know, for me personally, I think my struggle has always been I want to show up as my best every single day. But, you know, I'm not at the epitome of my potential each and every day. Sometimes the best I can do is simply getting out of bed. And that's Absolutely. the best I've done, you know, and, and that's the best for that day. It doesn't mean it's the best for the rest of my life. That is so true. Yeah.
1: And, you know, Victor Frankl says that freedom is not freedom from responsibility. Yeah. It's actually freedom to make a choice each day yeah. and every day true. of how we're going to live our lives, our lives yeah. responsibly. Yeah. So whether it is, as you say, just getting up for that day Yeah. That is taking responsibility for yourself. You're not remaining under yeah, your duvet. True. Another SMS has come through. I love what Michael says and what he says. I believe in shifting a person within one or two sessions by using the emotional trail and not the mind. One heals much quicker. Mark Lubo. What What do you think about that? The, uh, using the emotional trail and not the the mind, one heals much quicker.
2: Yeah, you know, I always think uh, emotions are messages from our deeper self, our inner self. So whatever comes up, you know, it's just a message of something that was, that is within you. And usually what we do with our minds is we try to rationalize things. Mm-hmm. You know, we are always after the logical path.
1: The rational yeah, mind. The
2: rational mind, you know. And that's that's the trick that our mind plays on most of us. And, and usually we end up, for me, the struggle was feeling. Uh, usually I just thought things in my head and that's the state. But I never really went through the process of feeling it. You know, wherever it is in my body within. So I would end up acting as a robot, you know, just because you're a person who can't express their feelings. You just just uh, stuff them somewhere within you, you suppress, know, suppress them, them. somewhere mm. yeah and, and and you never let them out you know, but but as like i said before you know they able, they end up building up you know to something that is bigger than dealing with the one emotion today dealing with another tomorrow so and, and you end up now needing to unpack all those emotions that you've stored up for years and years years and years to begin the healing process
1: and it's incredibly difficult because in that build up process The different illnesses start manifesting themselves in our bodies, and uh, and in our emotions. You know, we we suddenly wonder why am I reacting like this to this situation? Yeah,
2: you know, and and sometimes you surprise yourself. Like, was that necessary? Did I really need to go that far? But now you're being reactive because you can't uh, respond to any uh, influence or. Uh, event that happens in your life because you're reactive because of based on emotion that you haven't dealt with yet.
1: And how when you go into schools, we're going to have to watch the times. And actually, just give your number out, please, Michael, so that we people have got that at least. Uh, okay. What is your? How can they get hold of you? Uh, they want private sessions, or they want you to come into the schools? To the schools,
2: yeah. You know, I'm I'm doing voluntary sessions at schools for now, so I'm I'm doing it for free. So um, my email address is michael uh, mujera m u j e r a at gmail and my number is zero six one. Seven three nine five eight one nine.
1: Thank you and we're just breaking for an advert
0: A frequency like no other 101.9 FM.
1: Hello this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human and I'm with Michael Majera and we have a, a short while left so we're there's a lot that we still need to discuss I think you're going to have to come back again next year, Michael
2: Yeah, definitely
1: What I would like to see uh, discuss with you Which you have got down here Is high self-esteem traits Yeah Now how do you get to those high self-esteem, would you say?
2: You know, uh, once you're able to identify yourself um, In your authentic core uh You can begin to develop from there Because that is the base, that is the foundation From which you build your self-esteem
1: And your self-image
2: Yes, and yourself, your self-image So now when you, you're more aware of who you are as an individual What traits um, or or what you're good at particularly uh you can now begin to build self-esteem in those areas you know uh maybe you're good at playing football or or, or maybe you're you're musically gifted whatever your gift is now you begin to build confidence in those different areas and you don't you know sometimes we we just generally want um it's not egoistic I can say it's not based on your ego or your persona, or your facade, but it's something that is that is coming from deep within your authenticity because, you know, how much you're worth as an individual. You know, I always ask people, so how much are you uh, if I were to to put a price, how much would you cost? What is your price tag, and, and and that is a reflection of your self image, how much you value yourself,
1: and that it's, also varies, doesn't
2: it? Yeah, it varies, you know, and and, and you, you hear some numbers, different numbers coming up. Yeah, yeah.
1: must be fascinating. Actually, yeah. I like that yeah. question. It
2: is so. It, it's just a reflection of how much you you of your worth, of your self worth as an individual, and your value, how much value you've placed on yourself, and and um, as you begin to value yourself more and more. Based on who you are as an as an individual, and as as that value grows, you also grow in self confidence and self esteem.
1: Mm-hmm. So true. When you're working, like you'd been doing volunteer work in schools, how what what is what have you noticed about the groups that you have taken? Oh, have they moved with you? Uh, have they understood what you're getting at? Yeah, you know,
2: you, you always have. Um, a couple of responses that are very positive. You know, for some of them, uh, it, it takes a l- longer than an hour session to, to actually break through mm-hmm. because there's are patterns that they've developed over many years. So you mm-hmm. could just can't break a pattern because you've spent an hour with someone.
1: Do you find that working with a group like that is, is beneficial?
2: It definitely, it is. You know, for starters, because you're just you're just widening their perception to things that are broader, things that they might not have normally known or talked about at home. Mm-hmm. And these are new things for some of these these kids. You know, they're not taught at home how to deal with emotions. Some 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 actually don't even talk about uh, their feelings at home
1: so true. Yeah. You know, I, I have run a few um meaning-centered logotherapy workshops at uh, at various schools and um and I've been amazed at at how so many of these children have come from incredibly difficult homes and often they they've been the head of the the households and uh, and they are searching for meaning. They're like sponges yeah, and it's wonderful are, to work are. with them. Yeah. Have very you? much
2: so, yeah. Mm. You know, because you you still see that enthusiasm, that energy. That they, they're striving for something. It's know? that
1: will to live, yes. isn't it, and to yes. find meaning in our lives. Yes, And much. I think that is one of our greatest motivators. It is. Now, what are your plans for next year? Well, what do you see yourself doing?
2: Um, I think next year... Uh, I see myself publishing another book.
1: Oh, good, right?
2: Yeah. I'm going to give you
1: feedback on this one. Yeah,
2: definitely. Uh, And um, I also am planning on doing a a school tour just uh, with the Emotional Intelligence Program. I want to actually develop it into actually a program that is, you know, and probably find sponsors to help, you know, with the funding for, for the program. And, um, yeah. So
1: anyone listening in who would like to sponsor Michael, please do so. He would really like to hear from definitely, you. Definitely,
2: definitely. So, uh, we just want to spread that word, you know, just to, to help, uh, youth be more comfortable with themselves, develop a positive self image, be able to grow and accept themselves more for who they are, you know, not for who they could become or who they, they, they were, you know, just for who you are
1: in this moment, you know. And, and live moment. Right as you say take responsibility yeah. for this moment for this moment because moving through this moment takes us to the next moment the next and one. the next one yes. and, and we gradually build up our own yeah. self-esteem and yeah. our, our our own gifts start emerging True. don't they yeah
2: and it generates a lot of momentum you know mm. no whatever you want to do in the future whatever you it starts today it starts today it starts today and i always tell people that
1: you know, Michael, thank you so much For coming on the show We're going to have to wrap up We've got Maya Angela just finishing off for us But it's been wonderful having you And please come back again next year
2: Definitely, thank you for having me
1: And I'm really pleased that you came here From Zimbabwe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much And I'll be here next week With Philip Veyers Talking about his trip to Israel
0: Maybe the hardest part is you If you If you teach, you have to live your teaching. Mm. You can't uh, say, you do not as I do, but do as I say. No, no. You have to say, I'm doing my best to live what I teach. I have a painting by Phoebe of a group that she calls Sister Suki's Funeral, and they're all the women, there are about nine women, and they, they all look like women in my grandmother's uh, prayer meeting group. So whenever I'm obliged to do something, I take that painting, and I look at that painting, there's an empty chair, and I think, now what would Grandma do? What would she say? I can almost hear her voice say, now, sister, you know what's right. Just do Right. You don't really have to ask anybody. The truth is, right may not be expedient. It may not be profitable. But it will satisfy your soul. It brings you the kind of protection that bodyguards can't give you. Try to be all you can be to be the best human being you can be. Try to be that in your church, in your temple. Try to be that in your classroom. Do it because it is right to do. You see, people will know you. And they will add their prayers to your life. They'll wish you well. I think if your name is mentioned and people say, oh, hell, oh, damn, (laughs) I think you're doing something wrong. But if your name is mentioned and people say, oh, she's so sweet, he's so nice, oh, I love, oh, God bless her. There you are. So try to live your life in a way that you will not regret years of useless virtue and inertia and timidity. Take up the, uh, the battle. Take it up. It's yours. This is your life. This is your world. I'll be leaving it long before you under the ordinary set of circumstances you make your own choices you can decide life isn't worth living and that would be the worst thing you can do how do you know so far try it, see so pick it up pick up the battle and, and make it a better world just where you are yes yes And it can be better, and it must be better, but it is up to us.